Good evening, my friends, and welcome to another episode of Terror Radio Podcast. If this is your first time joining me, then welcome. This is a podcast dedicated to bringing you the best of horror and thriller, old-time radio broadcasts, as well as original stories. I am your host, Keith, a.k.a. The Radio Show Nerd, and tonight's episode is entitled, (laughs) Don't Mess With Your Elders. And (laughs) once you hear both these stories, you will know why I I entitled this that. Why I entitled this that? What? You know what I mean. So, without further ado, this is Terror Radio. The two radio series highlighted tonight are two of my favorites, Hall of Fantasy and Dark Fantasy. The first radio play is entitled Black Figurine of Death, and it was first broadcasted on Hall of Fantasy January 26, 1953. Following that is the radio play Man with the Scarlet Satchel, and that was first broadcasted on Dark Fantasy March 6, 1942. So, you all know the drill. Sit back, turn down the lights, and listen to Black Figurine of Death, followed by Man with the Scarlet Satchel. And now... The Hall of Fantasy. Welcome to the Hall of Fantasy. Welcome to the series of radio dramas dedicated to the supernatural, the unusual, and the unknown. Come with me, my friends. We shall descend to the world of the unknown and forbidden, down to the depths where the veil of time is lifted, and the supernatural reigns as king. Come with me and listen to the tale of The Black Figurine of Death. Is that you, David? Yes, I heard a shot. So did we. I thought it was one of you. I saw you. He came out late tonight. I found him out in the mausoleum about an hour ago. Here's his room. Try the door. It's open. On the floor. Is he? Yes. He's dead. In just a moment, the Hall of Fantasy will present The Black Figurine of Death. And now for our story. An original tale of fantasy by Richard Thorne entitled The Black Figurine of Death. Through all the years of man's existence, no matter what he has learned or been taught from generation to generation... Still, he carries in the innermost depths of his mind a certain fear of the darkness. A fear of the night, which is somehow associated with death. And which, in actuality, is the fear of death itself. Each of us, in his lifetime, will probably come in contact with some psychic phenomenon. Either directly or indirectly through the experience of a relative or acquaintance. An experience never to be forgotten. And about such an experience is my story tonight. 
I was there with the others the night he died. We stood at the foot of the bed, Joyce and Harold and I. Amos Jansen's head was cushioned on a pillow, and in his hand he held a little figurine. You sent for us, Uncle Amos? Of course I did. Otherwise, you wouldn't be here in my room, Harold. No, Uncle Amos is no... Be quiet! Be quiet, all of you. Ah, you're here too, David. Uh, yes, sir, I... Now, I didn't ask for a speech, young man. I'll do the talking, if you don't mind. I must speak to all of you while I still have time. Why don't you rest, Uncle Amos? Rest? <laughs> You'd like to see that, wouldn't you, Joyce? David and Harold. What? No answer from any of you? I know why you can't say anything. Because it's the truth. Now, see here, Uncle Amos. Don't listen to me, young man. These last years of my life, you've all left me alone. You've had more important things to do. That is, until tonight. Ah, tonight you're all here because you know I'm dying. You've come here like a pack of wolves, waiting for me to die. Waiting for your chance to inherit my estate. Oh, that's not true, Uncle Amos. Oh, isn't it? I think it is. (laughs) Don't worry. You'll inherit the estate... The three of you. But in the end, you'll wish you never had. What do you mean, Uncle Amos? That though I die, you'll see me again. All of you who've hated me. And you'll know of my presence when you see this. Oh, that's just a little figurine, Uncle Amos. Ah, you'll wish you'd never seen it before I'm through. You'll wish that you'd never known me. That you'd never been born. Before you die, you'll all learn what fear is. You'll learn how it feels to be... Feel to be... Alone. Uncle Amos. He's dead, Joyce. Oh, no. Oh, no, he can't be. He's dead, all right. What's that? Something dropped out of his hand. Why? Just a little figurine. figurine lay there on the floor. It had fallen from Uncle Amos's hand just as he died, and when it struck the floor, it had broken into three pieces. I picked them up and held them in my hand. The pieces fitted together perfectly, much like the pieces of a jigsaw puzzle. It was a queer little figure, its arms raised in supplication, a look of fear upon its face. There was something frightening about it. Three days later, Uncle Amos was buried in the family mausoleum at the north end of the estate. A week after that, we had gathered again in the library of the old house with Carl Sawyer, the executor of the estate. As you know, your uncle appointed me as executor of the estate and left instructions that the three main heirs, ten days following his demise, be gathered together in this house for a reading of the will. You told us that earlier, Mr. Sawyer. Uh, So I did. Are you all seated comfortably? Uh, Quite comfortably, Mr. Sawyer. It's a rather long will, you know. Now, I shall begin. I, Amos Johnson, being of sound mind and body, do make, ordain, and publish this instrument as my last will and... Uh, Mr. Sawyer, why don't you just tell us about the will? That's a rather unusual procedure, David. Well, David's right, Mr. Sawyer. It'll save a lot of time and trouble. Well, perhaps you're right. Let me see. Now, referring to the disposition of the monies and property... It's to be divided equally amongst the three of you. Of course, there are certain gifts to the servants. Naturally. Yes, naturally. 
There is a considerable amount of money to be divided, even after taxes. Each of you will be independent for life. I can't understand Uncle Amos willingness the entire estate. The night he died... Uh, contrary <clears throat> to what you may think, your Uncle Amos was really quite fond of you. Is that all to the will, Mr. Slime? No. Of course you realize that if one of you were to die, his or her share of the estate would be divided between the two remaining heirs. And there is one other proviso which I cannot quite understand. Yes? Your uncle made one condition referring to the disposition of the monies. Let me see if I can find that. Uh, oh, yes, yes. <clears throat> Here it is. May I read it, please? The heirs are to reside in the family house on the estate for a period of one year. If this is not done, their claim to the estate is to be nullified, and they are to be left without a penny. Unfortunately, they were present very infrequently during the last years of my life. Well, that's a rather strange provision. Yes, isn't it? However, as executor of your uncle's will, it is up to me to make sure the provisions are carried out. And believe me, I feel a deep sense of duty to your uh, late uncle. The four of us discussed the will until the early hours of the morning. We persuaded Sawyer to spend the night with us, to return to the city in the morning. The house became quite silent, and the only sound I heard was the ticking of the clock on my dresser. I wondered about the provision of the will in which Uncle Amos ordered that we make our residence in his house. I was lying awake in bed thinking of that when... Standing outside my door in the hallway was the housekeeper. Mr. David. Yes, Emily. I found this in my bedroom tonight. Oh, let me see it. Here. Mm-hmm. It's a little black figurine, just like the one my uncle had. Hmm. Uh, you can have it back now, Emily. It, uh, it frightened me, so I, I, I came to you, Mr. David. How do you think it got there, Emily? Well, uh, there's something strange going on in this house, Mr. David. And uh, I have an idea. I know who's in bed. Uh, who's talking out there? Oh, it's you, David. And Emily. <clears throat> You're uh, up rather late, aren't you? Yes, Mr. Sawyer. I, I was just going to bed. If you'll excuse me. Uh, good night, Emily. Good night, sir. I'll see you in the morning. Well, I suppose I'd better get back to bed, too. Good night, David. And good night, Mr. Sawyer. I watched him go back into his room. Then I turned and went back into mine. Emily had been on the point of saying something to me. Something that was important enough to her to make a special trip to my room. I got back into bed. Wondered what she'd wanted to tell me. Little by little, sleep clouded my brain. And I was half asleep. Back now to our story, an original tale of fantasy by Richard Thorne, entitled The Black Figurine of Death. I had been just on the point of falling asleep. <laughs> Sawyer, I heard someone scream. So did I, David. I know I did. There's David and Mr. Sawyer. Maybe they can tell us what happened. 
Did you hear anything? It was a scream. At first, I thought it might have been you, Joyce. I think it came from the servants' quarters. Emily. What did you say, David? It'll keep. Come on. Do you think it was the housekeeper, David? It has to be. Maybe she was just startled or something. Well, we'll see in a moment. No, that, that's a room just down the hall. I hope it's nothing serious. It was serious enough to make her scream. Emily! Emily, is anything wrong? Well, try the door, David. Right. It's unlocked. The light's on in there. She's not in bed. She's... Oh, on the floor. Maybe she fainted. No. She's dead. And look, right beside her, there's a little broken black figurine. Though the police came out and went over everything, there were no clues to follow. They said that Emily had been strangled, but there was nothing to indicate who might have done it. The police continued their investigation for almost a month. But at the end of that time, all they could write down in their casebook was murder unsolved. One evening, about six weeks after Emily's death, Harold, Joyce, and I were in the living room. The police said they'd never be able to find out who did it unless something new turned up. And it probably won't. Oh, the whole thing frightens me. So remember Uncle Amos's dying words. That though I die, you'll see me again. All of you who have hated me. And you'll know of my presence when you see this. Oh, it makes me shudder every time I think of it. I've been thinking about what he said, too, Joyce. I wonder if he could come back. You mean come back after death? Yes. <laughs> Don't be a fool, Harold. Once a man dies, he's dead. Is he? I'm not so sure of that. You shouldn't talk that way, Harold. It, it's frightening. Would you come out with me to the mausoleum, Dave? Why? When I came in, you probably weren't looking over there. I wasn't either. Another little black figurine. Broken just like the others. It gave me an eerie sensation. The little figure was broken into three pieces. I looked at Harold. and He seemed to be as afraid as I was. We locked up the mausoleum again and went back to the house. By that time, I began to wonder if perhaps Uncle Amos was striking back at us from beyond the grave. We said goodnight about 11 and retired to our rooms. I couldn't get to sleep. I'd fall into a half doze and then snap out of it again. I felt as as if someone were watching me. There were unseen eyes in the dark waiting for me to fall asleep. I knew it was only my imagination, yet that feeling would not go away. About three o'clock, I got out of bed. I decided to return to the mausoleum. As I went out the front door, I noticed a light drizzle had sprung up. Something drew me toward the mausoleum, a compulsion, an inner force over which I had absolutely no control. I walked slowly up the gravel walk leading to the mausoleum, not even noticing the light rain which fell on me. When I was close enough to see the doorway, I received a distinct shock. For the door was open... And there was a circle of light behind it. 
I walked to the door. I tried to get through the door quietly. I jarred it a little. And the noise made the man inside whirl around. In his hand, he held a gun. David! What are you doing here? I... I might ask you the same question, Mr. Sawyer. Back now to our story. An original tale of fantasy by Richard Thorne, entitled The Black Figurine of Death. I had gone into the mausoleum. Standing there with a gun in his hand was the executor of the estate, Carl Sawyer. David! What are you doing here? I... I might ask you the same question, Mr. Sawyer. I began to wonder. I... I don't believe in people coming back after they die, but... Is that the reason for the gun? I didn't know what I'd find. I wanted to be safe, that's all. Now that I see it's you, I'll put it back in my pocket. By the way, David, what are you doing out here? I... I was restless. Harold thinks everything that's happened has some supernatural significance. All his talk made me nervous. I see. And do you think that there is something supernatural about the way Emily died? I... don't know, Mr. Sawyer. I just don't know. Sawyer and I returned to the house. I asked him to spend the remainder of the night with us. Besides, I wanted to keep an eye on him. I didn't feel much like sleeping, so I went down to the library, picked out a book, and sat down to read. David? Uh, yes? Mr. Sawyer told me you were down here. What's the matter? Oh, I can't sleep. David, I, um, I talked to Mr. Sawyer for almost ten minutes. He said he thinks that you're in back of everything. What did you say to that? I told him I thought he was wrong. Thanks for your confidence, Joyce. The more I think about it, the more I think that Harold's right in what he says. You mean that Uncle Amos has come back to life? Yes. I'd keep an eye on Sawyer if I were you. Do you think he's in back of it? I'm not sure. But you must have some reason for it. I went out to the mausoleum tonight about an hour ago. Sawyer was out there. He had a gun in his hand. You told me he was just curious. Why should he suddenly get curious at three o'clock in the morning? It does seem rather odd that he... No! Yeah. No, I believe. I don't want to move. That was fire. Come on. It couldn't happen again. Come on, we'll see. Is that you, David? Yes. I heard a shot. But so did we. I thought it was one of you. It was you. He came out late tonight. I found him out in the mausoleum about an hour. Yes, sir. Try the door. It's open. Oh, on the floor. Is he? Yes. floor sprawled in the grotesque position of death. By one outstretched hand was a gun, and by the other, broken into three pieces, was a little black figurine. Harold called the police. They said they'd be out as soon as they could. The three of us went downstairs to the living room. I was right. It is Uncle Amos who's behind it. It must be. There's no other explanation. I told you before that there are certain things which can never be explained. 
The deaths of Emily and Sawyer prove that. You don't still think that Sawyer was in back of it, do you, David? Hardly. Will or no will, I'm leaving here now. I'm not going to stay around here and be killed like the others. I'm going upstairs and back. I'll be down in a while. I'm going to leave too, David. What about you? I don't know. I still can't make myself believe. <laughs> stay here. Oh, no, no, I'll go with you. Harold's dead. He has to be all right. Harold! Harold! Don't answer. Harold! Where are you? Harold! Harold, answer us! His door is open. He'll be dead. He'll be dead just like the others. No, Joyce, he's not here. The mausoleum. Uncle Amos came and took him back to the mausoleum. to Sawyer's room. Harold wasn't there, nor was Sawyer's gun. I supposed that Harold had picked it up on his way to the room. I decided to go out to the mausoleum to see if Joyce was right, to see if Harold's dead body would be found there. Joyce wouldn't remain in the house alone, so together we started out through the rain-filled night. Why don't we wait until the police come, Dave? If this is something supernatural, then they wouldn't be able to help us anyway. David. What's the matter? Mausoleum doors open. You can stay here if you want. I'm going in. I'll go with you. Stay close to me, Joyce. I will. I don't like it in here, David. Neither do I. But you're going to remain here for some time. That was Harold's voice. That's right. But turn the flashlight on. You can see me then. We thought you were... Dead? Hardly. But you two will be very soon. Here's a gun, David. That's right, Sawyer's gun. Plan this very carefully, David. When the police arrive, they'll find the three of you dead, and I'll be wounded. Tell them that Sawyer was behind it all, that he killed both of you out here, and that he came into the house searching for me. It was a fight. The gun went off. And he died. Then you killed Emily and Sawyer. Yes. I'm going to kill both of you, too. Don't think I believed all that hokum I fed you about Uncle Amos coming back to you? Of course not. It served its purpose. Now you'll serve yours. Hell, Hell, look out and back up. How stupid do you think I am? Uncle Amos is coughing and slipping. Get out of the way, Hell. Get out of the way. Uncle Amos said when he was dying. That he'd come back and settle with us. The coffin. I wonder if it was just an accident that it slipped out of the crypt. Or whether Uncle Amos really did come back. Characters and events portrayed in these programs are fictional, and any similarity to actual events or persons living or dead is purely coincidental.
would like to buy a satchel, if you please. There. That one in the corner would do. The scarlet one. You see, scarlet is my favorite color because it reminds me so very much of blood. what we're doing. I believe he suspects. What are your plans? Tonight, Peter Craig will sign over the last of the estate to me. And when do I get the money you promised me? Within a week. Why that wait that long? Because it's the best that way. You should wait longer. It would not do for the private nurse, Rose Esther, to become suddenly rich overnight. You remember the price, don't you? One hundred thousand dollars. I should have more. You're netting a cool million. The deal was all right with you when I made it. Yes. Yes, it's all right. What time tonight? About eleven. And he's good and sleepy. So he'll take the powder without suspecting. You said he already suspects. Not everything. He doesn't know we give him dope to make his mind go blank. We can be pretty sure of that. Or that he signs those legal papers while under the influence of the drug? He couldn't possibly know that. He's been taking medicine for so many years, when you hold a glass of it in front of him, he takes it automatically. He has one more paper to sign? One more. I'll give him the powder the minute you come into the house tonight. After that, disappear. Yes, I will. But remember, Sam, I expect my share of the money within a week. I think I've been quite patient with you since we went into this thing. It wouldn't be wise for me to become suddenly impatient. All right, Mr. Willing. Sit down, sit down. Thank you, Mr. Craig. Nurse, hand me my glasses on that table over there. I can't see a thing without my glasses. Your medicine, Mr. Craig. Eh? Medicine. Oh. Oh, all right. Thank you, nurse. <clears throat> now, <clears throat> get my glasses. Here they are. Do you wish warm milk before going to bed tonight? Warm milk? No, no not on your life. And don't you go locking my laboratory tonight. I'm going to tinker around in there a bit as soon as Mr. Willard leaves. Yes, sir. Just ring if you need anything, Mr. Craig. You look well, sir. I never felt better in my life. Now, what's on your mind at this hour of the night? Well, Mr. Craig, I've been handling your legal affairs for quite some time now. Yes, yes, you, yes, you have. Uh, seven years, I believe. Yes, so. This afternoon, I stumbled upon something that absolutely astounded me. And what was that? I happened upon the deed to your estate. I noticed it had never been turned over to you in a legal manner. 
Well, it's a small technicality, but I thought I should advise you about it. Have you done anything about it? Why, yes. Yes, I have. That's why I came out tonight. I have the papers with me. Put everything in perfect order. I say, Mr. Craig, is something wrong? No. No, I... I'm just... I'm sleepy. I'd better sign the paper now. Yes, sir. I think you'd better. Here, Mr. Craig. On this line right here. Yes, yes, yes. Here? That's right. That's all, Mr. Craig. Thank you very much. This is just exactly what we needed. Just exactly. Next! Oh, no. They know better than to leave me here in darkness. Nurse! Nurse! Come here! Come here at once! She's not here. She's gone. She's gone. And left me. And it's so dark. So still. Left me here. Died. No, I can't stand darkness. No, I, I can't be left alone. And I know my... I know my heart. servant, Alex Monroe, I bequeath the sum of $5,000. This is my will. All that remains, aside from the foregoing, is for Mr. Samuel Willard, my attorney, to carry out the duties I already have it outlined to him. Herewith, attest my hand. Peter Craig. And that is Mr. Craig's will. I wish to assure you that the last portion... Portion concerning the duties involving myself have been carried out. They have to do with the funeral itself and the preparations for the funeral. I wish to thank each of you for coming here tonight to hear the reading of Mr. Craig's will. You will each receive your individual shares of the estate in the next two weeks. Now, good evening. Well, Rose? They took it quite well. Why shouldn't they? After all, they were only his servants. He had no relatives. It didn't strike any of them as strange that Craig should have left the bulk of the estate to me. You played your cards very well, didn't you? I think so. The smartest thing was giving the servants a share. Yes. Now, I... I suppose I'll receive my share. Of course. Within a week. Good. Would you mind answering a question for me? I know. What is it? Those instructions about the funeral. 
I saw nothing unusual about them. There wasn't anything unusual. But just what were these secret instructions Mr. Craig left for you in a sealed envelope marked to be read immediately following my passing? Oh, that. He just stated he wished to be buried in the family vault. But there was something strange at that. Yes. He directed me to his laboratory, a certain compartment where I found a box wrapped in brown paper and tied with a heavy cord. He instructed that this box was to be buried with him. And was it? Yes, I had it placed in a coffin. Do you know what was in the box? Yes. I don't mind saying I was curious, so I opened the package. Well? It wasn't anything worthwhile at all. Just a couple of pounds of modeling clay. Modeling clay? Yes. What in the world do you think his idea was in wanting to be buried with such an insignificant thing as modeling clay? This way, please, Professor White. Uh, thanks, Mr. Willard. Peter Craig, as I've told you, was an old friend of mine. I... I certainly was surprised to arrive here and learn he'd passed on. Yes, we buried him last Thursday. Mr. Craig had no relatives. I didn't know the names of any of his friends, and that's why you weren't notified. Mm -hmm. I, I once worked with Mr. Craig at Oxford. He could have been a professor there, had he wished. Professor? Mm -hmm. Here, down these steps. Yes, he was quite an electrical engineer. Worked miracles, almost, with... Wires and tubes and batteries, condensers, all that sort of thing. Well, I knew he liked to fuss around in his laboratory. I've only been inside the place once. Didn't know he was a master at any particular science. Oh, yes, indeed. He was one in a million. Always experimenting. Always trying some new idea. Uh, here we are. This is Mr. Craig's laboratory. I see. This wax on the door. Oh, that. Uh, the police sealed the place up when they were investigating the death of Peter Craig. Investigating? Yes. Mr. Craig died unattended. Heart attack. He fell and struck his head. At first, the police feared foul play. Oh, I see. Oh, I suppose it'll be quite all right to break the seal now. Oh, certainly. We've forgotten all about it. Ah, uh, there we are. Now... I'll go first, Professor White. Light switch is very inconveniently placed. Okay, sir. This is what you wanted to see. Oh, sir. Just as I thought. Table after table and shelf after shelf of electrical equipment. It seems pretty much of a mess to me. <laughs> Poor old Peter Craig. He never was very tidy. I came in here the day the police were around, just before they sealed the room up. I'd never been here before. All these wires and electrical panels and tubes and things give me the creeps. Well, Craig certainly could put weird contraptions together. He spent many hours here. I believe his experiments were the only things that gave him a desire to keep on living. Mm. Say, uh, here's a strange-looking workbench over here. What do you mean, Professor? Well, uh, look for yourself here. See, the tabletop is littered with short lengths of almost invisible copper wires and... With little bits of fresh putty. Putty? No, it's not putty. It's it's modeling clay. You... Yes. 
You're right. Yes, and here's a cardboard box with this tail. That, that box, the brown paper, this heavy cord. Yeah, well, it appears that there was a great deal more that lay in this box. You can see that a good portion of it has been torn away from the original mass. It's the same box. The very same one I put into the casket. What? What could Peter Craig have been doing with modeling clay and thin copper wires? Mr. Willard. Yes? Is that the only entrance to this laboratory, the uh, the one the police sealed? Well, yes, it is. No windows, no other door. And yet that uh, that seal was unbroken. We both saw it was. Well, but look here on this on this workbench here. These bits of clay, still moist, not dry and hardened like they'd be if they if they'd lain here long. And this hand towel here. Look at it. Damp. As though someone had just recently dried his hands on it. Mr. Willard. What's this? Do you know? A locket on a golden chain. Where did you find it? Oh, here on the floor near the wall over there. His picture as a child inside. You know what's in the locket without opening it? Yes. It was Peter Craig's request that he be buried with this locket in his hands. This is Rosester. Who wishes to see me, clerk? Well, if he won't give his name, I certainly am not interested. He said to tell me he's the man with the scarlet satchel. The scarlet satchel. Oh. No, I, I don't wish to see him. Send him away, please. Tell him to go away. Tell him to go away. Peter Craig. Good evening, my dear. You, the man with... With the scarlet satchel. I, I remember when you bought it. You took me with you. And when I suggested a black or brown-colored bag, you said... I said that scarlet is my favorite color because it reminds me so very much of blood. Yes. Oh, no. No. But this isn't true. It can't be true. Peter Craig is dead. Yes, my dear. So he is. But you were Peter Craig. I was Peter Craig once upon a time. Now, I am merely an old man with a scarlet satchel. What is in that satchel? <laughs> I'm just returning a gift, my dear. A gift? Oh, it was a most excellent jest, I know. But hardly becoming of so charming a person as yourself. What do you mean? Do you remember the modeling clay? Hmm. I see you do remember. It was, it was merely a joke. We sent it to you only in fun. We? And Mr. Willard and I. Oh, yes. Mr. Willard. <laughs> well, I never did tell you how much I appreciated receiving a child's plaything from two such thoughtful people. 
But now I've come to return the gift. Go away. You, you're some imposter pretending to be Peter Craig. The real Peter Craig is dead and buried. I am going, my dear. But I leave the gift with you. You'll find it there in the satchel. <laughs> You'll find its contents most interesting, I'm sure. And now, good night, my dear, and goodbye. He's gone. It isn't true. Peter Craig is dead. That's why I'm buried. Oh, this is just a horrible dream. Yes, I, I wake up any minute now and... That satchel. Scarlet. More scarlet now than it ever was. There on the floor. Where he left it. Oh. It's, it's opening. Yes. Opening. And yet, there are no hands to do it. Something inside. Something is opening that satchel from the inside. What? What in the name of heaven is that thing? Oh, no. Stop. Stop, I tell you. Keep away. Keep away from me. No. 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 Miss Esther was a friend of yours, Mr. Wellen? Yes, she was. Mm. <laughs> that newspaper certainly gives a startling account of her death. Yes. Rose Esther was heard by neighboring tenants screaming hysterically. When investigators broke their way through a locked door, they found the nurse sprawled upon the floor of her living room. Both the girl's hands were clasped tightly to her face. Her eyes were staring blankly, wide with terror. Her last gasping words were, Scarlet Satchel. The terror-stricken girl undoubtedly died from fright. Scarlet Satchel. Yeah, sounds like a murder plot from Sherlock Holmes. Scarlet Satchel. Just a minute, Professor. Mr. Willard, man, don't jump like that while you startle the life out of me. It's gone. Gone? What's gone? He kept it here in this closet. I remember when he bought it. Who bought what, Mr. Willard? What in heaven's name are you so excited about? The Scarlet Satchel. He always kept it here. Now it's gone. I still don't understand what connects... The cemetery. That's it. We've got to go out to the cemetery. Come on, Professor White. We've got to go out there and see what's happened to the grave of Peter Craig.
body's gone. Peter Craig's vault has been opened. Opened? As though someone inside had pushed up the coffin lid to escape. That lid was heavy. Peter! Peter Craig! It was so difficult for an old man to push up so much weight. Peter, what on earth is it? Is the explanation of this? They told me you were dead and buried, man. Then for once, my good friend, they told the truth. Yes. Yes, he is dead. I saw him just after they found him. He'd been dead for hours. His heart had stopped. Rigor mortis had set in. Yes. I was a perfect corpse. Peter. He was taken to the funeral parlor. Embalmed. He lay in his coffin a day and a night before we buried him. Mr. Willard, there's some explanation. I saw them close the coffin on him. Saw them bring it out here. Watched them put it into the vault and seal the door. And Rose Esther witnessed the same thing. That's why I startled her so. You killed her. You killed Rose Esther? No. Not I. She was killed by the thing in the Scarlet Satchel. The Scarlet Satchel? Professor White, look. He's carrying it now. There is one plan in the entire scheme of things mortal man does not know. That those who are murdered never rest easily within their graves until they have brought the full and perfect vengeance. They left me alone, alone in the darkness and stillness of a night to die. They knew that my heart couldn't stand the shock. It was as much murder as if they'd stopped my heart with a dagger thrust. No, 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 I had nothing to do with that. You and your friend, Miss Esther, once thought it very hilarious when you sent me a child's plaything to the mails. At the time, I was not amused, Mr. Willard. Now I am. The clay modeling set. Exactly. Peter, Peter, man, what are you doing? The Scarlet Satchel. He's opening it. I'm taking out my little pygmy fan. Peter, that thing looks alive. No, no. Oh, can't be. It's nothing but a little figure modeled in clay. Just a little clay doll. It can't be human. Then watch it come to life. Peter, good heavens. It's moving, walking like a man. You see, I have put the modeling clay to good use. I have created with it your damnation. No, no. Keep it away from me. Don't let it come any closer. Keep it away, I say. Don't let it touch me. Stop it. Keep that damn thing away from me. Don't let it touch me. Scarlet Satchel, the 16th original tale of dark fantasy by Scott Bishop. Ben Morris played Sam Willard, Fred Wayne was Peter Craig, Georgiana Cook took the part of Rose Esther, and Muir Height was heard as Professor White. Next Friday night at this time, listen to another startling and weird dark fantasy adventure. Superstition, be hanged. <laughs> <laughs> 
Written by Scott Bishop. Tom Paxton speaking. Dark Fantasy originates each Friday night in the studios of WKY, Oklahoma City. This... Well, that's our show for tonight. I want to thank you all for listening. And remember, you can find me on... Excuse me. You can find me on Facebook at facebook.com slash terror1970 and you can find me on Instagram at Radio Show Nerd or on Twitter at Radio Show Nerd 1. And if you want to drop me a line, say hello, make a suggestion, a request, a even a critique, respectfully, please feel free to email me at radioshownerd at gmail.com. I also have a YouTube channel, obviously titled Terror Radio. Please check it out. Subscribe. Like and share the videos. Will be highly appreciated. Again, this is your host, Keith, aka the Radio Show Nerd, signing off. <laughs> <laughs>